Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Listen to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. You put down a deposit, you can get $1,000 in free plays. All right. Joined by the great William Brad Alice. I am merely Mike Luke. William, you. I was reading, listening to your podcast. By the way, where can they find everything? Uh, you know, it's on most of the platforms. Uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google. Uh, I know some of the other weird, uh, like, you know, podcast compiling sites pick it up. But uh, I usually put up a link on... Uh, on Twitter, Wildcats, you know, WSR Brad. I put it up on Facebook, but you can subscribe to any of those platforms and uh, it'll right. alert you when I send out a new one. All right. You were going, you were looking and we're going to talk a lot about practice and everything, but you were, I was, you were talking about where the wins could come from in the last podcast. I love the over of two and a half wins there for the university of Arizona. I'm back in the eight of the fullest here. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, I think over two and a half. Now I don't know if I do over three and a half, and a lot of that's just because it's a daunting schedule. The non-conference is weird. It's tough, but it's not impossible, if that makes right. sense. Um, there's a scenario I could see Arizona going 3-0 and in the non-conference. I, don't, I wouldn't bet on that, by the way. Right. Uh, don't take that on DraftKings. <laughs> but uh, if you look at it, you know all the teams kind of have flaws or something going against them. I think the two really interesting ones, honestly – Mississippi State has more talent than Arizona, but they mm-hmm. have to come west. And SEC teams rarely come west, and when they do, they usually don't win. Uh, with LSU and Tucson being the exception, but you know, remember LSU a couple times coming out uh, to the West Coast and, and, and not faring so well. Uh, plus, it's a Mike Leach team, and you just never know what you're going to get. Um, conversely, you know, I've been looking at North Dakota State; they're really good. Um, we know they're the number one ranked preseason team in, in FCS. We know they're the uh, quarterback uh, quarterback factory, North yeah, Dakota. State. You know, but they haven't played. They may not have played an FBS, but they haven't played a Power Five team since 2016. Now they went into Iowa City and, and beat Iowa. Then, um, with the exception of a couple transfers, maybe on the roster, none of these kids have played a, a Power Five team, and I'm not sure they've played now. Again, there's a couple of the directional Alabamas I'd have to look up and figure out which which division they're in. Um, but they certainly don't come to the Southwest. Uh, they've played in uh, Eastern Washington a few times. Um, so there's going to be a weather factor. There's going to be a time of day factor. There's going to be a travel factor. Again, they're really good. And I would equate them to a pretty good Mac type team, which in years past, Arizona has pretty much handled Mac teams. But again, this is still a rebuilding. So while Arizona could end up losing by two or three touchdowns, there could also kind of be a shock and awe factor with North Dakota State um, because most FBS teams won't schedule them because they are so good. They're kind of in a weird way where Gonzaga was 20 years ago where no one would schedule them because there's no <laughs> advantage. You know what? I'm gonna I'm 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 of the opinion now that I think Arizona's defense will be okay. 
again, I don't really have a ton to go on. I think in last year's Don Brown team, what would you call that? You know, maybe not quite middling, a little bit below average, something like that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. But so it's going to be the offense. It's going to have to score some points here. I'm going to be very fascinated to see, though, how this goes, because right now, Jaden Delora, he's obviously the starter. He hasn't been. He hasn't been as sharp so far as I think some people would have liked, but you're also a week into camp and whatnot. But I think this get, this team, especially with the offensive line, I think they're going to have to throw the ball about 40 times a game here, whether that's quick passing, whether that's you know down the field strikes. That's how I see them making their impact right here, at least offensively early on, Brad. Yeah, you know, again, I think your great hope is that you're competent enough in the run to – takes the pressure off the quarterback. So teams just can't put drop seven back, rush four. Um, you know, you, you've got to keep some guys in the box to to keep things honest. So that's what I think. Again, I do I think I think if you can get fifteen hundred yards rushing out of the whole group, you're probably ecstatic. I don't think you have a thousand yard rusher there. I don't think you have an all pack twelve type player there. So yeah, I think I think that's important. But I also think, yeah, with this defense, I think you're going to see a defense, and again, if it last year was any indication, that can keep you in games but can't win you football games. Um, you know, for the most part, and there were exceptions to this, uh, the San Diego State game, the Colorado game, where Arizona's defense, and again, special teams also contributed to that, uh, just never gave you a chance to win. But there are other games where – the defense was good enough for long enough, but uh, yeah, eventually you got to score some points. I think you know the two best examples of that might be Oregon and UCLA, where they just they were able to keep Arizona in the game, but eventually they wore down because Arizona just couldn't score enough points. So if you're gonna, there, I think you are going to have to win some 38-35 games, some 35-28 games. Um, you know, I don't think this is a defense that's going to hold a lot of teams into single digits, but I also don't think it's a defense that's going to give up. 45, 50 points like we saw a lot, too many times uh, the, the last, what, five, six years. Brad? And, uh, you know, I'm going to temper my pre- I'm going to temper my uh, fascination here, but I am going to say this. So far, you know who the best wide receiver in camp has been, right? I've heard some good things about your best friend, Jamari Joyner. Jamari Joyner, three touchdowns the other day. Um, again, with him, he's just got to stay healthy. This is a guy that's had dealt with some major foot injuries, obviously. But the receiving core to me is just, it's fascinating. Now, when you watch it, Jacob Cowing should be the best player on the t- on on this team, in my opinion. Um, you watch him, and you watch how Jed Fish talks about him. They clearly have very high expectations for Cowing this year, and you know, rightfully so. He caught for fourteen hundred yards last year. But you look at this receiving core, whether it's whether it's Jamari, whether it's Dorian Singer, whether it's uh, um, who are we just talking about? I'm drawing a brain fart. Um, uh, Cowing, Simpson, Emac, yeah. Simpson. There is a lot to work with here, and that's not something you could say last year. And quite frankly, that's not something you could say the last two or three years. There is a there is a, a stable of receivers that should make the quarterback's job easier here. Yeah, you know what I think you're getting into too is for the first time. Maybe since Jerron Kreiner, maybe yeah. maybe Hill, you've got a number one receiver. Right. That's always been kind of, you know, we've always looked at these receiving cores and been like, yeah, they're good, but they don't have a number one. So everyone gets slotted up too high. Right. You know, 
you were always a little higher on Jamari than I was, but I always mm-hmm. thought he had great athleticism. But if Jamari Joyner is your number four receiver, right, your number five receiver, that's a good receiver room. When you're counting on him to be number one, and and, and you know even apologies to Stanley Berryhill, but Stanley Berryhill would have been the number two or three receiver at USC last year. And on I a rule. knock on Berryhill, that's just. You know, I mean, Ohio State had two first-rounders. That just shows right. you some of the depth of these receiver rooms. But now when you can go with Cowing and then let's say T-Max 2 and, and, and Singers 3, and we're not even talking Kevin Green, who eventually right. I think is going to be – that's a nice receiver room. Now you got to get them the ball. Uh, you have to, you know, be able to give Delara or Fafita the time to throw the ball. They have to be able to recognize – but you've also got guys, when you throw in what we may get out of the tight ends, and I know that's always a, uh, a bugaboo right, in Arizona. A joke, but yeah. Um, when you throw in maybe what you're going to have out of Speedy Luke in the backfield, who looks like he is going to be used as a gadget player, uh, your nephew there. Um, it's interesting. It becomes very interesting. And the fact that it got, you know, you've got guys who – don't just have to stretch the field to be successful. You know, last year, even the last few years, we they had receivers, but they were guys who weren't great route runners, weren't guys who could do things underneath. Um, and now you're having guys, look, you know, Cowling looks like a guy who could maybe never run more than 10 yards downfield and still get you 900 yards. Right. He's a savvy route runner. You know, oh. T-Mac's a guy you can kind of throw it up for grabs. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of, interesting permutations to this receiver room. All right. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the quarterback here in a second, but as every DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right. I've, I've told William about it before. I've told you all about it before. You need to get in there right now. you got a great deal going on. You can put down a deposit, get up to $1,000 in free plays. And as William has pointed out, you can bet on wrestling there. That's when you know that something's really next level and you can bet on wrestling, huh, William? I mean, hey, if you like you some uh, WWF or WWE, excuse me, AEW, uh, you can bet on both of those. I know they're sponsoring both programs as well. So right. not only do they support quality podcasts such as yes. this one, yes. but they 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 uh, you know sponsor the pro wrestling. That's my uh, not so guilty pleasure. Right. So 21 and up, Arizona only. Got a gambling problem? Call 1 800 next step. Noah put it very well, though. Back the A. I like the over two and a half in the wins. There's no better way to back the A with your, than with your money. So check it out. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. All right. Noah Fafita. Um, first of all, if you didn't know anything about it and you just looked at his stats, whether it was in the spring game, you look in practice. He can zing the ball around. He completes a high percentage of his passes. He's also probably about five foot seven. And I he's not five nine. He's not because I'm five eight and I'm probably taller than him. So my question is this, Brad. Can a five seven quarterback succeed? Yes. I agree. It's difficult. You have to scheme correctly. Um, but there's a guy named Doug Flutie who proved that you could. And the game's right. bigger than that. I get that. Um, but you know, Drew Brees was probably five ten. Um, you have to be special. Um, and again, I think you have to scheme for it. You have to boot guys. You have to uh, maybe use bigger uh, spreads for your uh, offensive linemen so there's more throwing lanes. But um, you look at it, yeah, I think you can be successful. Yeah, what's what's Kyler Murray? Um, and again, right. is is again we can still debate what Kyler Murray is going to be in the NFL. 
He was an absolute star in college football. Right. Uh, so, yes, it can be done. And, again, yeah, Fafita's a guy who showed up at Arizona, listed at 5'11". Now he's 5'9". And if you say he's 5'7", I'm still looking up to him, but not by much. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's a greater degree of difficulty, just as there is having a 5'11 point guard. You know, I mean, there are some natural advantages that, say, TJ McConnell had over PJC. Right. Uh, but it can be done, yes. All right. Now, moving over to the offensive line, and this is a player that's definitely going to start from day one, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he turns out to be the best player in this class, and that's Jonah Sabanea. Um, Brad, he looks – one of my favorite stories about that Anthony Jamino always likes to say or, you know – no, he told me once, and I like to repeat it a million times, but he said that when he would go to Camp Cochise, there'd be three different players. There were three players that always st- that just looked different than everybody else during his time there. He said it was Chuck Levy well, when they just arrived on campus. It was Chuck Levy, it was Chris McAllister, it was Rob Gronkowski. It's a pretty good list right there. Savanea, at least for me, just looks so much different than any lineman that I've seen come in here. And a lot of people might say, well, why wasn't he a five-star in Hawaii, it was different because of COVID. It was also different because, you know, of recruiting and whatnot. But this is a kid that I expect to start from day one. And if if he turns out to be the best player in the class, it wouldn't surprise me in the least, Brad. No, you know, I know people were high on him before he got here. And then he showed up and the kid was, you know, rewriting record books, I think, in, in the weight room. And that's the key for him. He's not just talented, but he's already – more physically developed than your typical freshman. Right. And, you know, we've seen, we've all heard about it, you know, especially with linemen, they need to develop strength. They need to shed body fat, uh, baby fat. Um, and then, you know, everyone carries their weight differently. You know, me at 180, <laughs> that's been a long time. So I'm 180, 180. All right. I like it. No, no, I'm much more than that. But, and you at 180 are different things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I've seen that, like, why is this kid playing at 170, but this kid is not, well, cause you, everyone holds their weight different. Uh, and some kids are strong at 170 and some kids are not strong, but Savanea came in and he has legit grown man strength. Right. And that's the one thing why it's so hard for linemen to play early is you can be 300 pounds and you can be six, five, but you're still 17 year old boy strong and not 20 year old man strong. Right. And for those of you who either never gotten away from or just don't remember your 20s, like it's getting to be for me, the strength jump that you have every few years is, is kind of remarkable. Mm-hmm, and one sure. of those is your early to mid-20s, and there's that one at 30, then you get your old man strength at 50. and Then, it's then you get the Brad Alice hockey strength. Yeah, well, I don't know. I wasn't very good this weekend. But uh, point being, Savanea has strength greater than your average 18-year-old freshman. And – you know, so that's one reason he and maybe not other guys, even guys who've come into this program even higher rated, uh, you know, don't don't what, see the field. But he might. Big, when when Yusuf Scott came in here, because he's he started almost immediately on the on the offensive line. What made what made Yusuf so? And again, just for a frame of reference, this is a guy uh, mid nineties who was pro- arguably the best offensive lineman for the U of A in about a five or six year window, left early to the Cardinals. But what made Yusuf so different, and what made him able to contribute immediately? That predated me covering the team, but I just remember him being big, strong Texas kid. Right. Um, you know, grown man. So, and I'll give you a great example of a kid who had all the ability in the world, but wasn't ready physically just because I uh, remember Von Dotsie. 
mm-hmm. who ended up having the concussion issues. Yep. He came in. He was 6'5", 320 strong. But he was, you know, he had to shed some baby fat. He had to learn to play with some different type of weight. And it took him a while. And by the time he was really, I think, ready to break out, it's the curse of the four-star. You know, he got hit in the back of the head by an extra point. It was never the same. Um, conversely, you get a guy like, uh, oh, what was his name? Colin Baxter. Came in ready to play. He had grown man strength. Right. And that's, you know, but remember, Toby's best teams, what they load up on? J.C. Lineman. Mm-hmm. And you made a you made a living off of it. You had your Edwin Mulatalos. You had your Manu Saveas. You had your uh, um, I could get was Bruce Wiggins. Was he a JC kid? I think he was. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, they had four or five really successful. You know, Glenn Parker, mm-hmm. um, guys who came in were 20, 21 years old, had been in you know even that two three years in the weight room, um, made a huge difference. You know, conversely, a guy like John Fina comes in. 240 pounds puts on 30 pounds but he when he really start to star as a, what a junior and really didn't develop fully until he got to the nfl right and that's just the difference in how kids develop because remember even fina was a surprise first round draft pick and ended up playing what a decade plus a decade in the NFL. started in three super bowls yeah. exactly and uh look totally the, the guy even who graduated as a senior to the guy who we saw three years into his Bills career look totally different. And that's just, again, how guys develop, how linemen develop, and, again, why it can be so difficult for young guys, even really high-rated young guys, to come in and play right away. All right. We have an ASU troll here, which I'm going to take care of very quickly here. ASU troll, here's the thing. Yes, Arizona hasn't been good in football, but here's the difference. Arizona at least matters in a sport that matters, or a major sport. ASU doesn't matter. ASU doesn't have football. ASU doesn't have basketball. Doesn't really matter. Nobody cares about ASU athletics. So, and they don't really matter. So, there we go. And what does matter, though, is the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. You put in the deposit, you get $1,000 in free plays. I'll give you an example. If you were looking at Arizona and ASU and you said, out of football and basketball, which team, which program is more likely to accomplish something and finish in the top 10 in a season? You would look at ASU and you would say to yourself, well, they're not going to do anything in football and they won't do anything in basketball. So you know what? I'll probably go with Arizona, which is coming off a top 10 season. If that was a bet that you could get in the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, that's where you would make it happen. All right. Now, let's talk a little bit of Arizona basketball right here. Now, with uh, you talked about it a little bit, um, obviously, and we were on air when it happened before, Kwame Evans Jr. Uh, ends up going to Oregon. Um, next move, a lot of people don't know exactly what the next move is for Arizona, but I, I, Tommy Lloyd, to me, this is going to be a little bit of a learning curve for him, and there's everybody goes through it. I'm not sure that you can – I'm not sure that you can just offer four or five kids a class – unless you're going to be able to hit on all of them or at least hit on 70 or 80% of them. What do you think of that recruiting philosophy? You know, so far it's worked for the most part. And, and Evans is a weird thing because I'm not sure they were going to add a true power forward in the class had his people not reached out to them. Right. I mean, if you look at it, there are no other power forwards. Yeah, I think there's, you know, the always the the specter of the Euro uh, four right. out there. Um, but – Arizona also has a very realistic chance of having Tubelas and Viser back mm-hmm. um, along with whoever else. And again, I'm not convinced 
and I, I I don't know how to pronounce it. Philly B doesn't end up being a combo forward. I can help you with this. Borovichinen. Borovichinen. I, I I could still see him being a, a combo forward because right. he's probably six eight six nine and looks like he's filling out. Um, but you don't turn down a guy like Kwame Evans. Right. Um, realistically, the 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 race to watch is the Mookie Cook, who they're not getting, but you still recruit him till the end versus uh, Cody Williams versus whoever else. And again, I, to me, it just seems like a, Cody Williams just seems like a wildcat to me. Right. Uh, local in-state kid blowing up late. Arizona in on him early. Um, I'm in fact, I'm in a weird way. I'm almost kind of surprised it hasn't happened already. But to me, that seems like the natural fit because you might need wing help. Um, can you remember, can you remember a time like covering the team or at least, you know, since the loot era, let's say, let's just go mid nineties on where Arizona prioritized an in-state kid that they didn't get. And a native in-state kid, not like a Deandre Ayton or somebody like that. The one that still stands out to me to this day is Vegas Davis. Right. Which we have to go back to mid to late nineties. He was a kid out of Parker. Mm-hmm. Parker, Arizona, went to Tennessee to play for KO. Yeah, um, and he was a guy who Arizona kind of sort of, you know, Lute doesn't play, didn't play games. Right. There's a great story about, I think it was Ariza, one of the one of the kids went up to UCLA, and the mom was trying to dictate shots. And basically, Lute told her, maybe Lavin will promise you shots. We don't promise you shots here. Right and and draw so and Davis was kind of wanted more love and a and that just wasn't Lute's style, um you know I know there were some of the guys in the mid in the early two thousands but I don't know how much you know was it Woolridge who ended yeah. up going to Kansas but I don't Matt, think Arizona really wanted him and they didn't you know, pursue like like Matt Harry asked they didn't pursue him they wanted him but didn't think they had room for him right and then should have recruited him because he ended up having problems at the post because of us. Uh, and he was good it. too. Yeah. That was one that was, I've, I have a philosophy. I think I probably mentioned here. You can never have too many bigs, too many arms in baseball and too many linemen in football. You should have taken Harry as and tried to find, cause they loved him mm-hmm. and, and found his place for him. You know, there was, you know, I know they liked Lawrence Hill, but they ended up getting guys who were better than him. So yeah, they really don't miss too often. I know I'm probably forgetting a guy here or there, but there hasn't been many that they prioritized. Again, that weren't the prep school kids. Right. That they didn't end up landing one way or another. And, you know, sometimes it was an easy road like Nick Johnson, and sometimes it was a difficult road like Jared Bayless, who decommitted, recommitted. Um, it, sometimes they were surprise kids. You know, no one thought Channing Fry was going to be that good. Right now, let me ask. I want to ask you about a player coming up here first because we're it's going to be a little bit shorter of a pod today because I got to run back to the U of A. But again, two things the Four Peaks Brewery, the official brew of PHNX. Uh, check it out. You can go to the website, great raffles going on, all of that in FOCO. The number one place Brandon Sanders talked about this to get Arizona level merchandise. You know, it's officially licensed, everything you want from bobbleheads to hats to anything you want, they've got you covered. Check it out, foco.com. All right, Brad, Umar Ballo is a guy everybody's talking about, Visar. Everybody's talking about uh, Azulis Tabellis, and rightfully so. But I look for a big year out of Umar Ballo this year. I look for Umar, and by big, I don't want to say that I'm saying, you know, 20 and 10, but I look for about 10 and 7 out of Umar Ballo. I think he's going to be a big, I think he's going to be a big contributor this year. 
Yeah, I mean, look at just how he progressed last year. And, uh, you know, he realistically could have been Pac-12 player, sixth play man of the year. For sure. Um, Pella Larson got it, probably rightfully so. But Balo was right there, too. Right. Um, the question to me is, what's his role going to be? Is he going to be a starter or is he going to come off the bench? Um, I think if he's a starter, then he's probably playing his 27 minutes a game. And I think your numbers are realistic. Uh, you know, if he's coming off the bench, that means maybe Arizona wants to go a little uh, smaller, a little more up tempo. Um, not that Balo can't move, but he's just, you know, he doesn't move like Coloco. Right. Um, and maybe we're looking at a, a six or seven and, and seven. But to me, the numbers that are most important for Balo are probably going to be rebounding block shots and putbacks. And I, I don't know how we quantify putback. But I would love to see what his shooting percentage is on second chance points. Right. And I'm sure there's a metric guy out there that we can find that from. Um, because if he can if he if he can shoot sixty five percent on offensive rebound attempts, Arizona's gonna be in a really good place. Right. All right, everybody out there again, apologize. Normally we go about 35 minutes with Brad. Had to cut it a little bit short today. Everybody out there that contributed, big thanks. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Brad, real quick, where can they find all your stuff? Yeah, just uh, follow me on Twitter, WSR Brad, or just uh, look for the Wildcat Sports Report. Uh, I think it's still called the Wildcast because I had it first. And you can find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, or, or any of those platforms. Thanks so much, everybody. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.